zone. Yes, seven days in a week. Man, you ain't big pop. I'm your big bad booty daddy in the non-stop. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wrestling Reanimator podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. It's a very exciting day for us here today. We're coming off of an awesome, awesome night of pro wrestling with the first of the AEW Grand Slam, the Dynamite Show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. We've got a lot to cover here. I'm going to throw it over real quick to my tag team partner, my good buddy, Derek Warnke. Derek, what's up? What's going on, you marks? Welcome to the show. Got a lot of wrestling to talk about, guys. It's going to be a good one. And we got a special guest with us today, which makes it even more fun. Yes, we yes. do. For the first time ever, we've got a guest on the Wrestling Reanimator podcast. For those of you who have followed our podcast, whether it's been on social media, whether you find us on Spotify, iTunes, there's always some uh, some pretty awesome graphic work that's gone along with a lot of our uh, our posts and a lot of our work here, and that belongs to my cousin Chris, who was actually at Arthur Ashe last night. Chris, welcome oh, yeah. to the Wrestling Reanimator, buddy. Well, thank you, thank you for that beautiful intro. This is I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about Dynamite because what a fucking show! Jesus, Jesus Christ, what a show! <laughs> Yeah, man. And right from the beginning, let's dive right in. Let's skin this cat. Let's talk about it. First match of the night. I mean, before actually, you know what? Before we get to that first match, Chris, tell us about the experience that you had being there. What was yeah, it like? Yeah, man, what was it like? Yeah, what was man, it like coming up to the stadium and, and just, just what that feel, that buzz in the air? Oh my God. It was it was an energy that I haven't felt ever I feel like I was super nervous because you know I went, I've been to a lot of like WWE shows and I felt like I kind of knew what to expect but AEW was a completely different energy super friendly energy the crowd reacts to everything that that you feel like they should react to in a wrestling match whether it be like a referee looking this way or like a low blow they're all along for the ride and they all understand like what what they're trying to do and it's kind of beautiful. Like there was points where like I was legit getting emotional for like when when they would cheer and I'm like, Jesus, like this is like this is what wrestling should feel like. And I've never gotten that feeling. And I've been to uh, quite a few shows like I've been to WrestleMania 28. I've been to a few live events where like historic things kind of happen. Roars after Roars after um, SummerSlam, but nothing like this, like this. This was crazy. But I really enjoyed it, man. The energy was 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 great. I just I, I can't wait till they come back to New York. They need to come back to New York ASAP. That's how I feel. Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's WWE territory too, man. Like that, you know, New York has always been WWE territory. It was a ballsy move for them to go in there and and not just put on any event. I mean, Derek, can do you remember the last time that there was a big like non-pay-per-view, like midweek event? of that caliber because i personally can't remember anything like that no man um and even they were talking about the only other wrestling promotion that even drew numbers close to wwe i mean that's insane and you're in you're in one of the the biggest cities of all time which is is amazing and on top of that 
you're knocking on the door at WWE, that's pretty badass, man. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big moment, and uh, I'd say a big mark in history, man. That that's that's sick. Hundred percent, man. And For it's sure. First, first time a, an event has been a wrestling event's been at Arthur Ashe. I mean. You know, you, you talk about your, your MetLife stadiums, your city fields, your, you know, your Madison Square Gardens, obviously. I mean, that's the Mecca. But uh, when they first announced Arthur Ashe Stadium, I was, I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, a tennis stadium has got to have no bad seats. Like the sight lines had to have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing, man. Like, I thought the same thing. I was like a tennis, like a tennis stadium. Like, what the hell? But it worked. It worked so well, and like the sounds, like every it just it just worked really well. And that sound, man, right away, the first thing I noticed when that show hit was, mm. I was all I thought was, God damn, this crowd is hot. They are into this, and the bell hasn't even rung for the first match, and right out the gate, the return of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I know that Derek has been wanting this match for a long fucking time and against Kenny Omega right away. I could not have ever predicted that one, we'd get this match ever. And two, that it would have been the first match on the card. I mean, Chris, what was it like just yeah. being there for that, for that match? Was, was anyone That's a expecting sick fucking to moment be, to be it. Right. <laughs> was, it was anyone fucking... expecting it? Bro, no, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting, I don't know, maybe like MJF Pillman or something. Like first, at least, like. But when when uh when his music hit, man, it was pretty electric. Everybody, you you couldn't even hear yourself. There was people that were trying to get like beers and stuff outside. They were pissed. They were like, "Fuck, they're doing it now," and I was just like, "That's oh, gonna man. suck." I'm just in my seat, like, "Oh yeah, I'm out of witness history right now." But yeah, it was just a surreal, like a surreal feeling it's like that like brian danielson is coming out and he's about to fight kenny omega and it was just it was just pretty crazy it felt like a new japan thing like throughout like the like just the feeling it was interesting yeah there was definitely that big fight feel for that match there was a lot of anticipation for that match but you know sometimes there's hype on a match and you know it it sometimes never lives up to that hype and I know that y'all, like, I know that Chris, you've probably felt it before. Derek, I know you felt it before. When you're anticipating this one match to blow your fucking socks off. And it's just like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, it's nothing special, but it's not bad. You know, it's somewhere in between. Derek, you're a huge Danielson Mark. What were, what were some of your reactions after watching this match? Because I know that you texted the both of us after you watched it. Oh, man, I was shit my fucking pants the whole entire fucking match. I'm not going to fucking lie to you. Like, to be a fan of this guy, you know, when he's in the indies and to see him go full circle with WWE, and now he's in AEW, and he's not wrestling like any fucking jabroni. He's wrestling Kenny Omega, and we're getting it at the opener. Let me just say, AEW's openers in the last couple of shows have been fire. I mean, yeah. every single mm-hmm. match has been, and, and I, I get it. That's how they're trying to draw people in, and they're doing an amazing job by doing it. But Danielson, let's just stop and say that one more time. Brian fucking Danielson 
versus Kenny Omega in a fucking opener on Dynamite, <laughs> not a pay-per-view. That's fucking incredible. And some of the spots in this match were fucking insane. It did not disappoint. And one other thing I want to bring up, could, could they not have the coolest fucking gear for this match? Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about fucking Danielson looked fucking awesome. Kenny's gear was fucking sick. They they did not disappoint. And like I said, I'm a huge, huge Brian Danielson fan ever since the early days of ROH. And now that he's here and it's real and he wrestled his first match, I'm super fucking excited to see what other dream matches we're going to see. I mean, he didn't miss a step. Didn't miss a step in that match. Like, for a guy that's kind of, you know, ring rust is a thing. And, you know, we were all worried about Punk having ring rust. And, and, you know, that's seven years. Obviously, you know, Danielson's not had that different, you know, that that much of a layoff. But – God damn, dude, he looked he looked great. He and him versus Kenny, the pace of that match from the very start, from that very first lockup, like when they first locked up, Chris, how yes. fucking like holy shit! I've never seen a lockup get an ovation like that. Man, it was one of those moments where I got up and I was like, "Let's fucking go!" And I was <laughs> Let's go! It, it was fucking insane because it's just like. When you, as soon as they grapple, that's when you're just like, holy shit, this is Daniel, like this is Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, fucking grappling Kenny Omega, like the best wrestler in the world, like you know, and it's just like, it's just unbelievable. And like going back to what you guys said about the spots, there were certain spots in that match that like, cause you know, like previously, maybe like three years ago, four years ago, he was retired. They were like, oh, his neck, his head, this, mm-hmm. all that, and we see all all these spots that he was willing to to do. And there was a spot specifically that would have me like, holy fuck, is he okay? But it was when Kenny picks him up, like deadlifts him off the floor into like a powerbomb position. And he goes to buckle bomb him, but like completely misses and hits the ropes. And Ryan Danielson does like a flip onto the ramp. And I was like, what the fuck are we watching right now? This is mayhem. <laughs> we need yeah. this. Old- this is great. Man, I'll but- tell you what, if you want to talk about like Matt moments where I'm like, God, his, his neck, his neck. Was yes. the, the Snapdragon on the, uh, on the ramp? I was yeah. like, he's uh, he's 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 fragile. <laughs> like, don't do yeah, it. Leave him alone. And let me bring this up. Even when he put him in the cattle mutilation, as much as I pop for seeing the cattle mutilation, yes, he's twerking his neck, and I'm like, this motherfucker just doesn't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And I referenced it last week on the podcast. I'm gonna reference it again on being the elite when they did that interview. Fucking. <laughs> Brian Danielson sitting there and he's like, Punk wants to come in. He wants to get these guys over. He wants to work with the young guys. That's great. Brian Danielson said it. He's ready to kick motherfuckers' heads in. That's what he wants to do, man. And he went out there and that's exactly what he did, man. And fucking Tony Schiavone said it the best because these two guys are beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and that's what we want, baby. We want that wrestling, that old yeah. school fight forever, baby. I will say this. Yes. I there were two moments in that match, and you and you talked about one of them just a minute ago. There were two moments in that match where I literally like my I was like my heart, like my heart was just full. And that was when he locked it. Well, it was it wasn't fully locked in, but when he put the cattle mutilation on Kenny, I was like, oh my god, he can do whatever he wants. And then when he later on in that match, when he turned to the crowd 
and he yells, he's going to get his fucking head kicked in. I fucking jumped out of my seat in my living room and I was like, yes, like mm-hmm. the yes chance, the yes chance are going to like, hopefully they will never disappear, but I know he wants it. And I want the fans to jump in and start back up the chance of he's going to get his fucking head kicked in. Like they were doing it last night. They were doing it last. I don't know if it picked up on the TV, but people behind me, people in front of me, they, it was getting, it was, they were chanting that. And I was like, good. oh shit. You this, couldn't hear it on TV. I was getting worried. I'm like, no, don't forget about this. He's bringing it back. This is my favorite part about the American Dragon. He don't give a fuck. This isn't yes, 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 no, 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 all that, you know, hug it out bullshit. This is one motherfucker who is going to take your head off with a kick. He's going to rip your arms out. Like, he's ruthless. Like, we have not, like, the the mainstream wrestling world has never seen this Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. But, uh, Chris, I mean... I think like some wrestling, you know, some people who are like hardcore WWE fans, like you don't get a lot of draws as a finish with like that, that is a a legitimate clean draw, no DQ, no run-ins. This was a time limit draw. I mean, to a, to a WWE fan, this is probably something, you know, from another planet, but I mean, what was the reaction like in the crowd? It seemed pretty like, split but i think for the right reasons so i just wanted to get your perspective i think yeah everybody was kind of just like oh because everybody was just into it because they had especially in that last minute because they had um i believe he got him into a he, what's his name brian Anderson got kenny into a submission then he gets his foot on the rope then gets out of it then it's just like a minute left they just battling and i guess people kind of just thought it was going to be like a roll-up finish or something but for me, I thought it was awesome because I felt like it kind of makes Kenny and and Brian Danielson both look like on like they're on the same level, and Brian Danielson can go on and face anybody, and and fucking have tremendous matches. I felt like it was a solid a solid finish. I personally didn't mind it. I liked it. I liked that finish too when I saw it in um like New Japan when they did it with Kenny and uh and and Okada. Like I just thought it was dope because I felt like that finish kind of gives you more of a competitive like feeling like oh he gave it his all nobody really got a definite win but they could run it back and you wouldn't mind it and it would be just as good as a match just as intriguing of a story but I feel like there was some people too who were salty who kind of did want to see like a definite like winner there was a lot of like Daniel Bryan fans Brian Danielson fans there that just wanted to see his head fucking get kicked off can he said get fucking kicked off into the crowd but it is what it is they, they had a fucking great match and I would love to see them have another one like Oh my God, I'm with it. I want to see tables. I want to see chairs. I want to see blood. I want to see it all. (laughs) I think they're setting up for it. I think they're setting up for it, man. I think it's a great feud. I definitely want to see it again. 100%. And um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it's 2021, probably the best match that I've seen in 2021. I'd say so. Yeah. It's hard to disagree. But there's been a few Walter. There's Walter and Dragonov. They had. A I was one. gonna say Walt. That's this is funny you said that because that was the next thing that was gonna come out of my mouth. I was gonna say Walter Dragonov's up there. I think that was a classic, and being there for that was fucking awesome as well. Um, but yeah, man, 
we have a lot of competitors, man. It's going to be a crazy year, and it's still it's still not even over yet. So who knows what's on the horizon? Yeah, yeah there's you know, one more match I could think of that's it's also a, it belongs to AEW, and it's the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks, and it's oh, still another good yeah. match. Yeah. Another good match. How can we forget about that match? Well, so that I, match, I would consider those top three. I really would. You know, yeah. I, and it's funny because you, Chris, obviously, you were you were there for the the Kenny uh, Danielson match. Derek, mm-hmm. you were there for the Walter Dragunov match. I mean, y'all put those in your back pockets as something that you got to witness in, for in history. While I sat here on my ass and I couldn't go <laughs> see any cool fucking shit. <laughs> No, yeah, bro, but then again, then, then again, <laughs> if we're talking about cool shit, you're the same guy that got to see the Hardy Boys wrestle the Young Bucks and lose the Ooh. titles, and then next day see him win them at Mania. So that's a pretty fucking cool pull right there. So <laughs> hold your roll, though, Slapdick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking. That's that is a pretty fucking nice little run right there. Yeah, you know, dude, sometimes you know a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> going into um you know talking just jumping off of that uh obviously unbelievable match cm punk comes out alludes to how could you follow that up i mean he's spot on i do not yep. envy anybody for having to follow that up but you know what brilliant booking on aew's part you know you're not going to beat that match so you bring out cm punk right away you keep mm-hmm. that momentum going and uh, Punk seemed to have a pretty great reception. Does, doesn't matter what city he's in. That's very Bro. true. It, especially when you're dressed like a fuckboy and you got a fucking hoodie <laughs> with no t-shirt underneath on. That's the fucking look right there, man. Bro. He pulled fuck that boy. shit off. Yep, fuckboy supreme. He had the little, the little bread 11s or the bread ones he had on with his little zip-up hoodie <laughs> that was like slightly down so you could see his chest and tattoos. <laughs> But yeah, man, CM Punk was feeling himself. He was out there feeling like a bad bitch. I'll tell you that. And the, and the crowd, the crowd, man, singing his theme song, I was just like, I was taken aback. Like, because WWE, WWE events, you kind of, you get a taste of it. I kind of felt like that. I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. But this should really, like, it really opens your mind. It's like, nobody's shy. Nobody's like, everybody's just there. They really enjoy themselves. And it's, and they, everybody just gets embraced. But CM Punk, New York embraced him like with open arms. You would have thought he was born in the Bronx instead of Chicago. <laughs> That's a cool feeling, man. And you know what? Yeah. I read an article yesterday. It was a post, and it was this girl talking about the cool thing about AEW fans is we've all come from the same place. We've come from the place of loving professional wrestling. And the fact that everybody knows these chants and they know these guys and they know these theme songs. And it's it's got to be such a kick-ass environment to be where everyone just loves wrestling. And yeah. I, I, the, the way I kind of tell people is like, you know, I, I'm a huge Bullet Club guy. I have almost every Bullet Club shirt under the sun. And there's no cooler feeling when you go somewhere like the supermarket or downtown or fuck even Disney and someone throws up a two sweet. Oh, it's yeah. it's uh-huh. it's a great feeling. It's yes. a great feeling. And my dad said it multiple times. What the fuck was that? What do you mean? <laughs> what the do you know that guy? No, I don't know him, man. He just saw my fucking shirt and he threw him up too sweet. It's it's a cool era we're living in where 
you know, it's not this, oh, you know, that guy watches WWF or that guy might watch WCW. You got people coming from all over the world watching different things, and we can bond over one simple thing is professional wrestling. And that, to me, is is the coolest thing in the whole world. So it, it had to be a great, awesome environment just to be a part of and, and just live it. it it's, it's electric, man. It's fucking awesome. Beautiful yeah, man. Scene. Well said. I don't think I could have worded that any better. Yeah, yes, that well was said. beautiful. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well, well done, sir. Thank you, man. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the too sweet thing. Mom, like my first date with my fiance, when I first met her, I was wearing, I was wearing like a Bullet Club t-shirt at a concert and we're, we're walking out of the venue and I had like two different people, like too sweet me on my way out. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh man, I hope this girl doesn't think that like, I'm just like in some weird cult or something. <laughs> it's, but I kind of am because I'm a professional. You kind of are. You kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's great because my wife thinks that Bullet Club is like a wrestling federation. So anytime I'm watching wrestling, she's like, are you watching Bullet Club? I'm like, no, I'm not. They're, they're, they're a group. They're not a, they're not a wrestling federation. Are those guys Bullet Club? No, they're not Bullet Club. <laughs> but uh, as we all love our world of professional wrestling and we love the history behind it, it's always cool when you see, you know, the son of a, of a wrestler that you grew up watching, you know, making their way through the business now it's like another generation of talent that you get to watch and um brian pillman jr man is one of those guys and i can honestly tell you he's he's a guy that i that i've kept a close eye on personally since his career kind of started um you know i kept track of him a bit in mlw um got to see him wrestle live in mlw and i was i was pretty impressed with him and he was he was very young still at the time and he still is a young guy but um, I like the stuff that he's been doing with the varsity blondes. I, I'm really like, I really dig that tag team. And um, honestly, when they put him in the angle with MJF, all I could think was he's good. He's going to get there. He's not his dad on the mic yet. And I don't know if he's ever going to be his dad on the mic, but you're putting him against a fucking shark. Yep. Eat him alive on the mic in MJF. So I was a little I was a little nervous, but last night's match was damn good. So pretty I don't good. Know, I don't know where we're gonna go from here, but I mean uh what do y'all think? And what do you guys how did you guys think what did you guys think of that match? I, I thought it was great. I really didn't know what to think about it when uh you know it was coming on. Um, I was super excited for it. Uh, like you said, man, uh, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, I heard him on Stone Cold's podcast, I want to say a couple of years ago, when he was just in the indies. And uh, I was super intrigued just to see. And they talked about, you know, his dad and working with Austin and being part of the Hollywood Blondes and, you know, having these great matches. I mean, Brian Pillman, some of my favorite childhood memories. I mean, watching him wrestle – Jushin Liger at, at, at Super Brawl, you know, having him get into a strap match with Kevin Sullivan. Certain things like this are just great parts of my childhood that I was I, I loved Pillman a lot. And uh, when I saw Junior get into it and, uh, you know, he got to be part of this awesome faction like the New Heart Foundation and work with guys like Teddy Hart and. Uh, and uh, D.H. Smith. Sorry, D.H. Smith. Designated hitter Smith. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought it was awesome. I was all for it. And, you know, the way that he pays homage to his dad, you know, by rocking the same shirts and coming out with the, you know, the bangles trunks. Super cool. And just watching him get signed by AW and seeing, you know, him take off and trying to make a name for himself. I, I love I, I love his shit. I like what he does. And uh, I thought this was a really, really interesting feud. And uh, it was cool to see him step in the ring. Um, but I do agree with you, man. I think, you know, when you have someone like that, who's your dad, who's the king of just dropping pipe bombs, man, and just being that loose cannon, whether it was WCW or ECW or even WWF, um, it's big shoes to fill. And I think eventually he's going to get there. And I think we just got to give him time and, you know, let him step into his own flow. But uh, I, I thought it was a great match, and I, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of both these guys, too, so I can't – me personally, I can't complain. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying about his promo skills. But I think at this point, maybe MJF is just there to just carry him, and we're going to get super baby baby face Brian Pillman. I don't think this mm-hmm. Brian Pillman is going to come out with his nipple out with, with the little cutout of his shirt. But <laughs> maybe soon, maybe soon we'll get that, that era of Brian Pillman Jr., Love that man. <laughs> I will say this. I think them putting Junior in a uh program with MJF to me proves that they really believe in what yeah. Junior could do because MJF is your top heel that did that doesn't have a title, and he's obviously a, a big part of the future of that company. So the way I'm looking at it as Maybe they're planting the seeds for a long time feud between those two. Um, they're around the same age, I think. And, you know, I think they complement each other very well. And, and and last night really showed me that because MJF did obviously what he does and go in that ring and make that crowd hate him. And that's his hometown fucking crowd. And they wanted him to die. <laughs> they wanted He's someone a pe- to kill him. He's a piece of shit. Let's just let's stop there. He's a fucking piece of shit. Even his parents had a sign that said, "We're MJF's parents, and we think he sucks." Yeah, I mean that's pretty. That's pretty good. That's pretty good gimmick right there, man. When your parents yeah. have signs at at your fucking show saying you're a fucking piece of shit, it's pretty hilarious. I'm glad he won the match too. You know, I I, I actually think it's better for Pillman to chase him down. I think that's a great two way. I kind of wasn't hoping it was going to be a submission. I was kind of hoping maybe Wardlow get an interference or maybe, you know, we'd see him hit him with something, you know, pull that, that heel ring out. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think I, I like the idea of him chasing Pillman and eventually, you know, getting that W just like we're seeing, you know, with Fuego del Sol and Miro. I, I want to see him get his ass kicked. I want to see him take that beating and then finally just rise from the fucking ashes and just put in some fucking work. And Dude, another yeah. thing I was thinking, another thing, um, I love Griff Garrison. Don't get me wrong. I think the varsity blondes are cool. But, dude, I want to see Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock fucking Anderson on a fucking tag team. That's that's what I want to see. A little Horseman 2.0 action fucking going. I think that would be fucking sick. I think yeah, when both of those guys are polished, I think when both of those guys are a little bit more polished, go for it. I'm all I for agree. it. Go for it when those guys can can really carry that mantle. Because that 
that is a heavy, heavy thing for them to to carry around on. Yeah, and they're both they're both you know working on it. And let me just say this, man. Brock Brock Anderson posted one of the funniest pictures because it was Arn <laughs> Anderson's birthday the other day. I was gonna post. Brock, I was gonna send it to you. And fucking Brock Anderson said, "Thanks, Dad, for helping me look like I'm 52 years old for the rest <laughs> of my fucking life." That fucking That's Arn awesome. Anderson DNA. I, I, you know me, I'm a JCP guy. I like watching old Jim Crockett promotion stuff. And I was watching an old Arn promo. And I'm like, man, Arn looks like he's like 52. He was fucking 27 in that promo. He was 27 years old. And he looked like he could fucking rent a fucking house with no fucking, <laughs> with no fucking background check. When me and Derek used to make creative wrestlers back in the day on like the old SmackDown vs. Raws, Derek would make like this big like meat man fucking like barrel chested dude, and I'd be like, a hoss, like a super hoss. Yeah, like he'd be super hoss, baby. (laughs) He'd call me up like, "Yo, I made this new guy. He's fucking got a big fucking." And this was before everyone called it a dad bod. He's just like, man, he has this big fucking dad body, and I'm just like, a what? He's like, you know, like a dad body, like fucking like Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson has that that dad body like he's just like that my dad could beat up your dad like <laughs> i just thought it was the funniest goddamn thing so when when brock anderson posted that thing about arn uh, i all i just i forgot to text it to Derek because i couldn't stop laughing at it that i was like oh my god everyone just sees him as like the dad body guy it's amazing mm-hmm. Moving on to the next match on the card. I believe it's Black and Rhodes right next. Oh, oh, dude. Take us away, Chris. The whole experience dude. with the entrances and all. All you. So, Ma- so Malachi Black comes out, and it's probably exactly how you expect. Like, cheers, ovation. And it's super dramatic. You got, you got the dark lighting comes out, coming out. And then Cody. It's Cody's time to come out. And Cody, for me, personally, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Cody hater from, for, for the fun of it. And, <laughs> oh, my God, I love booing Cody and seeing Cody lose. And I thought I was kind of, like, alone on this, but it turns out I was wrong. And everybody and their mother was booing him, and I couldn't be happier. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not alone on this. And he comes out with this fucking 70-foot cape, and I'm like, what are you doing? But it looked awesome. I can't lie. His, his, gear, looked, his gear looked immaculate. But it was a, it was a fun match, great match, great spots. There was a botch too. I don't know if you guys seen a botch talking mm-hmm. about Arn Anderson. Yeah, we all Arn saw Anderson. it. Arn Anderson busted that ass, and it was <laughs> and it's crazy because you would think the crowd the crowd reacted to everything, literally everything. He's shimmying. They're like, oh, oh, and then he's him coming around that turnbuckle, man. <laughs> He's coming around that turnbuckle and slips, but um, they do a great job of keeping everybody like attracted to the match. It was a great match, and everybody gets easily back invested into the match. But man, it was one that I was kind of nervous about because I was like, "Is Cody gonna take this one?" Because I really felt like Malachi Black he has to get this, and and he did. And I feel like the the way he got it to was super interesting, super something that kind of adds more mystique to his character, where it's just like, "Oh, he's doing this now." Like, I wonder what other sorcery or whatever gimmicks he's going to do now. So it kind of makes him a bit more interesting. And Cody, the, the character where Cody showed in the match, like, he's finally we're getting something to, to, to fucking, you know, grab onto and be like, all right, so he's this and he's doing this and this is his motivation. And it was just, I feel like this Cody, I'm, this is where we're going to see Cody kind of 
step up and kind of be a character, like somebody to actually be like, all right, rather than being somebody who's kind of like swaying back and forth, because that's how I personally saw him, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck Cody's point is right now. He just wants to beat up Darby and then lose the next week. And then I don't know, I don't know how to feel about him. But yeah, I'm pretty happy about that match. That's how <laughs> I, I thought it was a him. phenomenal match. I, uh, and here's the thing I will say about Cody. 100% agree with you. His character has had no direction since he came in. And I get that. Obviously, he doesn't want to put himself at the forefront. I do appreciate that this is a guy who uh, has deliberately taken a backseat to a lot of the talent there. Right. Not putting himself in world title situations, not putting himself in the world title picture whatsoever. Um, which is, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's not, that's not like fucking Vern Gagne running his goddamn uh, right. promotion to be the champion. Like, honestly, Cody, what Cody does really well is his matches do have the, his matches always have a purpose and tell a story. And last night, I think, was the time that we got to see. And Derek and I talked about Dustin Rhodes last week, how his matches are always, you know, chock full of, like, great ring psychology. Um, I think Cody has the same thing. But I think for for as far as his AEW matches go, this was the one time that I can say his motivation in a match matched what was happening in the ring like uh or or his his storytelling purpose in the ring had a long-term reason why he was doing things like you know working the legs trying to take the legs out of malachi black you know he knew that the first time he went in against malachi he took his fucking head off so what's he cool. gonna do He's going to stop him from taking people's heads off. He's not going to let him kick Arn Anderson in the fucking head again. He's not going to let him take out his brother again. Like he had legit motivation, went after his legs. And all I could think the whole match, and I know that I know you must have been feeling it too, guys. Like, you're like, shit, Cody's going to pull this out because if, Al- if Malachi's got no legs, what the fuck is he going to do? He's a, he's a striker, and all he does yeah. is throw strikes. When he hit that mist, I about fell out of my chair. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We got some great Muda shit up in here? Like, Derek, yeah, what did man. you think? Man, let me tell you something, man. He Every single week I see him on television, he just ceased to amaze me. And, mm-hmm. you know, we go back to the indies, Tommy N, and then we go to Aleister Black. And we really didn't get to see him use a lot of his creative power, you know, when he was in WWE. He had the badass entrance. He had a kick-ass theme song. You know, the the pieces were all there. They just didn't know what to do with it. I think now that he's in AEW and they're just letting him fucking, you know, run wild, I think the stuff that he's come up with has been fucking insane. And listen, I'm a huge, huge Great Muda guy. I'm a huge Tajiri guy. I'm a fan of the mist, baby. I don't care what color it is. You're going to fucking shoot mist in a guy's eyes, poison mist. That's awesome. And the fact that it was black mist just was that much more badass. And I I think it was a great way to end the match. And I think I think they did a superior job of of telling a story and they made him look strong. And uh, I'm for it, man. I thought it was kick ass. Yeah, Absolutely. shout out to the Black Mist. I fucking love Tajiri too. So that was a cool shout out to Tajiri. 
Jiri, one of my favorites, man. Like, like legit one of my favorite wrestlers when I was younger. Like the first time I discovered Tajiri, I was like, oh man, this dude just does straight up karate in the ring, kicks people's heads off. And then, and I remember I was talking to Derek about it. I'm like, yeah, I think this guy might be my favorite wrestler right now. And Derek was like, yeah, but have you ever seen him do the green mist? And I was like, the, the what? <laughs> oh man. And he's hilarious too. Like he's the, he's everything. He's yeah. everything you can want. In a, Low in a key, really good comedic wrestler. His shit with William Regal, I don't think oh, that would fly real, today. Real talk, like in my yeah. top ten favorite tag teams of all time. Hands down. <laughs> They're awesome. They're awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Tajiri and William Regal. And shout out to Tajiri coming back and doing some MLW stuff too. Yeah, good for him. I saw that, man. Good for him. I'm glad he's still going. Back in the States, doing some stuff in North America. I know he's a, a legend over in Japan, but, um, you know, Derek, you're talking about uh, great tag teams. The next match had a little bit of old school and it oh, had yeah. a little bit of new school. And what I'm talking about is FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting. It's fucking it's Sting! Exactly. <laughs> who would have predicted that though? Like honestly, who could have predicted that like Sting wasn't there to just you know for for a spot, you know, a, you know for the death drop for the Scorpion Deathlock, you know, you figure he's gonna play the hits, you know, and that's it. But that whole match start start to finish, I, I loved it. Didn't I? Don't think there was a bad moment. No, it never let up. I, nope. I think it was a great tag match. And going back to what we were talking about with Dustin Rhodes with ring psychology, let me tell you, there was a lot of spots in this match where, you know, you'd see Dax come off the ropes and maybe take a bad bump and they couldn't sell it. Sting was right there to distract the audience. He was right there to keep the match moving. And just watching him work and seeing little teeny tiny things where, you know, he took care of these guys inside the ring, but also kept the realism there by fixing some of the minor things that went wrong. Um, there was one spot. Um, someone got tossed to the outside and uh, Sting didn't know. It, it kind of was a little confusion. No one knew who the legal man was and Sting just mm -hmm. turned around and just started throwing fucking bombs. Haymakers. And just, just to keep that distraction going. And I think for a guy his age doing the stuff that he's doing, and still there to take care of the younger guys and make sure everyone's safe and, and you know, working really well. It, it was a kick-ass match. And when you take this old-school, you know, wrestling style of Sting and you mix it with a guy who's like, I'm just going to jump off whatever the fuck I want to jump off of. And if I fucking die, who the fuck gives a shit? I think that's <laughs> such a fucked-up, crazy fucking anarchy style of fucking tag team wrestling. Uh, I'm all for it. I, I I love Sting and Darby together. I think what he's done for Darby has been awesome. And when you put a great tag team like FTR in the mix too, and you got Tully fucking Blanchard up on the apron trying to fucking cause shit, fucking good wrestling, man. Nothing else to say. Agreed. Agreed. Chris, what was the reaction like for Sting? Uh, I mean, it sounded great, but I've never seen Sting live. I mean, I've seen I've seen Taker live. And I, I'm pretty sure you've yeah. seen Taker live as well, and at WrestleMania yeah. too. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a specific type of experience that, like, you know, nothing comes close to Undertaker at WrestleMania. No matter who you are, how many times you've seen him, it's a once in a lifetime thing. But yeah. Sting, 
at this event, I mean, where does that compare? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I fully really taken in this event because everything it's, it was a five hour show that felt like two hours or like an hour and a half. Cause everything was just so, doom, 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 doom. so Sting comes out, then Darby comes out. So I'm just like, Oh shit, Sting. And then Darby's Darby's doom, 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 starts kicking in. And I'm like, Oh no, I got to cheer for this. So it's like, you don't really get a chance to enjoy it, but you do enjoy it. But seeing just Sting wrestle and really, like Derek was saying, just take care of these guys and just being able to keep up with them and still seem like a formidable, like, like he's easily a 95 overall in the new AEW game. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, this is Sting. Like, this isn't, this isn't Sting. This is Sting. So it's like, he really felt like, like how we should. And it came across like how we should, as, as well as Darby. FTR, oh my God, amazing. They're always amazing. They do beautiful storytelling. The finish, beautiful, where they're holding on to each other's hands. We've seen similar spots with the matches that they had with Johnny Gargano and uh, Ciampa at NXT, at NXT TakeOvers, but they, they're holding each other's hands, trying to, to not tap. And here comes Darby jumping off of shit and uh, ultimately uh, bringing them the victory. So I thought it was awesome. I can't, I, couldn't, I can't complain about the match. Fucking Sting is out here doing shit that Darby's doing and jumping, doing crossbodies. Yeah. I'm like... Oh, it's Sting, Sting doing cross bodies. I can't ask for more. <laughs> pretty fucking cool. It's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, that's that's a that's a checklist for a wrestling fan. I saw the Stinger splash a few times. You know, AEW pretty... man, they really they they had a packed show. Like names, names. There's just star power, and and they really it's they've just really put together really well a really good wrestling show that just. Yeah, man. I'm just kind of speechless about it still. I wish I could go back or I wish they could come back tonight and I go back to another show, you know, and lose my way. Yeah. Well, the last match of the night, mm. the women's world title match, Ruby Soho versus Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Man, the crowd loves Ruby. They really do. Yeah. And good for her. She's fucking earned it. I was going to say, yeah, she's over like Rover, man. And, you know, I did not think they were going to take to her as well as they did. And that is such a cool, it's just a cool thing to see. And uh, they had that great back and forth where, you know, Britt Baker's like, you didn't leave on your own terms. You got fired. And Ruby comes back and says, yeah, but you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, it's true. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit, you know, in the last couple of podcasts. I'm a huge Ruby Riot fan. I'm a huge Heidi Lovelace fan. Um, I loved her in Chikara just for this shit that she did. And the fact that you have this girl that can wrestle these guys and keep up with these guys and have really yeah. good technical wrestling matches. I remember seeing her wrestle Mike Quackenbush for the first time and saying, holy shit, yo, this chick can fucking go. And to see her them take the time and have her win this, this battle royal. And now she's got a shot at Brit for the title. And she comes out. First off, she's got this badass fucking attire on where she's got, you know, all these punk patches into her gear. I thought that was that was a really cool look. Um, I thought they had a great match, you know, especially, you know, when you're when you have one person, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a female or a male in this, this industry and you have them going against the top heel and the top heels got two other people in their corner. So you're kind of working a one-on-three situation. 
I, I, I love what they did. I think they, they told an amazing story and I think, uh, I, I think she looked great out there. And I think, um, even with the way they finished it, I think it still keeps her looking strong. And, uh, I, I think the fans took to her really, really well. Yeah, I agree, man. Especially to where AEW's at at this point, they just have so much momentum that I feel like it's so easy for the fans to just open, like just accept anybody because AEW has a level of trust now with their fans that, like, let's say WWE doesn't. Whereas, if, like Adam Cole, for example, we don't know, we didn't know if he was gonna go to SmackDown, Raw, or AEW, <clears throat> and then we felt like SmackDown maybe, but you never know. But AEW, you know for sure that we're gonna get something that we feel like we deserve in a sense and not that what WWE feels like should be Adam Cole, if that makes sense. And so like when you see people like Ruby Riot go there, you're like, all right, maybe we're going to see something different and we're going to get them presented in a different way. And we do. And we get these tremendous matches that never really disappoint. So it's just like, it's super easy to just to buy into a wrestler. You know, that's what I love. That's what I've come to, to really appreciate about AEW that it's not really about like, uh, just one person. Like, I feel like everybody's a star, especially going to that event. It really felt like they had just triple A five-star talent straight across. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like they had one dud. Like there wasn't like a Baron Corbin or, or you know, one of, those, <laughs> one of those ironic wrestlers that people like, or like it, everybody really seemed like generally loved and appreciated. And that goes to say DMD. That's that's my favorite right there. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But when she came in, <laughs> D M D, I cheered that shit as loud as I can, and <laughs> and I enjoyed the shit out of that match. So it was a really great match, really great match. Really great character work. Too. Oh yeah, great character work. And they're and they're just really, they're really telling that story. I think long term. I think again, like um, like a situation that I was talking a little bit, alluding a little bit more to with Pillman and and MJF building a rivalry, they've kind of had a, they have a tailor-made rivalry considering that they came up in the business around the same time. And um, Britain and uh, Ruby have a, have a, have a bit of a past. So I think that that Taylor makes it for a, for a pretty interesting story. Um, But uh, that women's division, I think the, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the past that the one thing that AEW was missing was a strong women's division. But now, you know, I had a couple of days to think about it. Um, you know, and honestly, I think that their division, their women's division, it doesn't have like big time star power. Like, you know, you're, you know, an equivalent to like a Kenny Omega, you know, you don't have like a Charlotte Flair level or a Becky Lynch level women's wrestler. Britt Baker is the closest thing you've got. And that's a that's almost a homegrown talent in their own right. I do right. think that their women's division is stronger than people give it credit for. Um, I mean, when I look at that, Derek, I know that you love Thunder Rosa. I know you're a big Thunder Rosa mm. guy. Chris, I know you're a big Thunder Rosa fan as well. Yes. So when I look at that women's division, maybe they don't have the household names, but there are some women in, in AEW who could go and a lot with some serious potential. Oh, yeah, dude. I totally agree with that. We talked about it. Um, I think what they're doing in the process of scouting and picking up these talents from either WWE or a lot of NWA lately, which I'm all about, and uh, Impact. And I, I think when you have such a strong division like WWE's, 
I think you you need to pull out all the stops. And I think what we've been seeing with these these ladies main events, I'm all for it. I think it's awesome. I think it's a good way to close out the show, especially if you got two two talents that can go like that. So I think they're on the right path. I think they're doing the the right thing. And I think if they keep it up, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, we'll get on that same uh, WWE level. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Especially like you said, with them using other talents from NWA, like uh, like Thunder Rosa, like she's been, I feel like, uh, like kind of like a mainstay in AEW almost. Like I feel like I've seen her more than like who who somebody like Anna J for for instance. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like I've Thunder Rosa more than Anna J. But and but but you get it though because they need those type of talents to build build the energies. So I feel like as long as AEW keeps doing that and working with other promotions, it's always going to be something interesting to kind of, you know, to dig into, especially if they, if they pull up with, with Mickey James. <laughs> I know yeah, you're on that Mickey James train. You've been talking- <laughs> Bro, Mickey James is all for it. She's all about women's wrestling and empowered and, and all this. So she got to pull up. She got she to gotta be the face somehow. And I feel like it's going to happen. Mark my words. No, I you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Don Callis. She's gonna play a Don Callis type character. That would be Don Callis is Don Callis is not one of you to fucking bag of dicks, man. Fuck Don Callis. <laughs> Fuck that fucking Cyrus. Sorry, that carny piece of shit. The Cyrus the virus. Fucking as Tony Schiavone would say, fucking Don Calais. Don Kiss Calais. my ass. Well, man, fucking that man that... tried to take. That man tried to take titties away from ECW. You can suck my dick. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to do that. That's what makes ECW ECW. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, you know, like sometimes sometimes I look at Don Callis on TV and I think, man, what happened to that mullet? What a glorious oh, mullet was, that man had. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say, oh, what happened to his hair? Because, yeah, that hair was crazy. I want to know what happened to that fucking gem he had in his forehead, like fucking vision. That's what I want to know. That fucking third eye bullshit he had. When he was like he was, a jackal or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah. it was just fucking Kurgan. He was Kurgan's manager. What a, what a fucking name Kurgan is. <laughs> that was in every movie. That was a time in that was a time in wrestling, guys. That was a real time in wrestling. I have that figure. I have that jackal action figure somewhere in my action figure box. Do you really? I really do. Next podcast. Why do you I'll pull have a out, jackal? Why do you have a jackal? Because he came with figure? fucking Kurgan, man. I don't know. I got him for fucking 10 bucks at fucking KB Toys. That's what you did. Oh, when you were a kid, you went to KB Toys and you got the less the less popular figures. Okay. I had fucking Dr. Death Steve Williams and fucking Dan Severin. And I had Kurgan and Jackal. That's what we did for our fig feds, man. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Um, But yeah, man. So AEW Dynamite, the Grand Slam. I mean, holy shit. Best, uh, easily the best. Yeah, best televised uh, wrestling event of the year, uh, possibly the last few years. And it's it's hard to believe sometimes that AEW is only two years old. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel like once like Rampage comes out, they should definitely put this on a dvd like they need like they need to this needs to be represented physically somehow because i feel like it's their first time in new york and i really feel like they did they did what they needed to do you know what i mean like 
I couldn't be any prouder. Like, as a wrestling fan, I'm like, I'm a fucking wrestling fan. And I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I was willing <laughs> to fight somebody in the street if they said that AEW was trash. So, Yo, I think it is. I think AEW, I mean, I think over the last few years, wrestling, the resurgence of wrestling, I mean, the, you know, the reanimation of wrestling is why we're doing this podcast. You know, wrestling's back right. from the dead, man. Like, the the whole, the whole perception of being a wrestling fan, you know, last I would say 10 years before all of this groundswell of indie wrestling is, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, the only person you wanted to tell you a wrestling fan to was your buddy who was also a wrestling fan, but you didn't want anyone else to know because it was kind of embarrassing. I mean, the only game on the block was WWE and wrestling was always kind of looked at like this lower form of entertainment by some people. And, you know, the, the days of the old attitude era and the Monday night wars, you know, that was over. So wrestling kind of got stale for a lot of people as they got older and rightfully so because the product did get stale but now the world of wrestling has changed dramatically and it's taken all the best parts of what made wrestling special in the late 80s and early 90s and the, and also the territory days and it has this new edge and new attitude to it where you know it's a lot less about uh, gatekeeping this thing away from people and inviting people in now now it's like hey man this is a party you want to be a part of this and aew i think is the one promotion that's really created that type of atmosphere and you're the first of of us to to really experience that and and first of all i'm just incredibly happy for you that you got to be a part of that event yeah man awesome that's history that's straight up history man and you got to be there I appreciate you guys for saying that, and, but but yeah, to what you're saying, it does kind of feel like that. Like that's why I feel like, like I said, like it has to be like some, mm-hmm. something. They got to make a DVD set or something. But but yeah, well said, Mike. Like I, I agree with everything you said, and especially like if you try to you try to tell those people who like UFC about wrestling, and they're like, oh, that fake shit. You know, now there's this there's, there's something more. Well, that was a podcast that was probably one of the most fun podcasts that we've had yet um obviously thank you chris for being here on this podcast uh i know i can speak for derek uh as well when i say it's been an absolute pleasure and we are just really excited that uh that you you had the time to join us and uh, you know we can't thank you enough for the work that you've done for us as well um the graphics are amazing keep up the graphics. yeah work. man uh, i appreciate you, know, you guys any anytime, I'm I'm happy to come on anytime and talk shit about wrestling and fucking rant and and you know chew your ears off about what I think. But I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, and, man, and, we're definitely gonna have you again, man. We got to do this again because this was super fun. And uh, if you guys, if you guys, you know, haven't seen any of Chris's work, you need to get on his Instagram and check it out. You, you got to check out some of the stuff he's done because it is just it's it's insane. It's good shit if you're a wrestling fan or you're a fan of the hip-hop and r&b community get out and check out this kid's work man because uh dude you're doing big things and i'm a huge fan of your stuff appreciate you man means a lot means a lot thank you i mean chris where can we where can we find you uh on social media for those who don't know so i'm on instagram at young christ y-u-n-g-k-r-i-s-t and that's also my website y-u-n-g-k-r-i-s-t.com and you can see everything on my website as well as my instagram but yeah Thank you guys again for having me. It's been fucking awesome. I love talking wrestling. I appreciate you guys for having me on this podcast about wrestling. 
and letting me share my experience at uh, the Grand Slam, AEW Grand Slam. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would be remiss in saying, uh, you know, a, a quick congratulations to to Big E, man, becoming WWE champion. Uh, I know oh, yeah. that Chris Chris made a pretty uh, pretty accurate comment. It looks like WWE did something right this week. Um, yeah. You know, between him becoming champion, the stuff they're doing with Bloodline, um, probably some of the probably one of the only really super interesting things. And like, I'm not trying to shit on WWE, but to be honest, it's to me, one of the only interesting things that I'm seeing on that, on their programming right now. So we'll see where that goes, but. uh, Hey man, how dare you? How (laughs) dare you, man? Do you know who Rick Boogs is? Have you seen Rick Boogs? Watch watch fucking Rick Boogs play fucking guitar, man. That dude's fucking cool. All right, I take back everything I say because you are 100% right. Rick Boogs is, like, pretty goddamn entertaining. Um, did they ever figure out what they're doing with Elias? Did that happen yet? Yeah, he's going to have uh, he's gonna have a guitar battle with Rick Boogs, and Rick Boogs is going to throw him off of the top of the building when uh, fucking Hulk Hogan threw the giant off after that monster truck rally. <laughs> A guitar on a pole match. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> you heard Derek, where, where can uh, where can our uh, our listeners find you, Derek? You can find me at Ric Flair versus Nick Gage 2021 on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just Meet fucking with match. you. Yeah, baby. We need this match to happen. Yeah, we're we're promoting this, you know. So AW, come on, guys, let's do it. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. That's Falls Count Anywhere, Falls with a Z. Uh, and like I said, that's Instagram and Twitter, Falls Count Anywhere, Falls with a Z. And uh, me, Mike Lewis, you can find me at Mike Louie, L-E-W-I-E, uh, on your Instagrams, on your Twitters, on your TikToks. Um, that's, that's, that's where I live. That, that's who I am. That's, that's my name on all of those things (laughs) um but uh again chris thank you derek as always thank you we're gonna try and do this again real soon chris we'd love to have you back on Uh, this was a lot of fun till next time friends take it easy enjoy that wrestling and we'll talk soon mjf's a piece of shit